Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, let's go out to the Around Fields and Downstairs Convenience Store's guest line. Truly steps beyond convenience. Then we'll find the professor, John Clayton. He joins us every week at this time. John, thanks for the time. Really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. How are you? Very, very good. Got to start off with getting your reaction to, obviously, the story really hasn't been about a lot about football down here. It's been, once again, a, a, a weird kind of scandally week because of the O-line coach and the video that came out. What was your reaction to this and everything that's broken down with the Dolphins? Yeah, just stunning. And, of course, even more details we find as time goes on, you know, with his IRS problems and everything else. And, you know, the, I don't know if you want to call her a model. Uh, that's <laughs> just, uh, and the fact that now she even has more video, and I'm sure with more video, that means more video is going to come. I mean, first off, you just feel sorry for the family because uh, the wife and all that, and then you can see that Chris Forster obviously has problems, and it's just another distraction for the Dolphins and something that obviously is going to hurt the franchise because you lose a very good coach at a very important position. So uh, an unfortunate thing, but that seems to be the way this season is going. I mean, it started with the hurricane. It started with the Lawrence Timmons problems. It continues with this. And, you know, you figure that it's like this is going to be a long, very difficult season and something that uh, who knows where turns are going to go and how bad those turns are going to be. John Forrester was revered in the, in the coaching community. He was considered one of the better offensive line coaches out there. I know he was paid like he was. I, I've, never, I've never really heard of this guy before, so obviously you know a lot more about him than I do. No, he's considered to be a good coach. I mean, you know, he's not Russ Grimm. He's not uh, Bill Callahan or anything else, but he's a good, solid coach, and he's got a good background. So, it's, uh, you know, again, a lot of the coaches, you know, they may not have the best reputation, but he had a decent one. It's not like he was a bad coach. I mean, he's a good coach, and obviously he got a good contract. John, like the feeling, I guess, nationally for the Dolphins, because it does feel like they're, they're a bit snake bit this season, but they always seem to find themselves in these weird scandals, bully gate and whatnot. And, and, and I got to I feel terrible for Adam Gase because, you know, he came in here in such a great year last year and he's not tied to any of this stuff, but now it's like things that are just out of his control are just getting kind of piled onto him. And I don't know how he deals with that. That's got to be unbelievably frustrating. Oh, no question, because it's like it's one thing after another. I mean, you know, you, your quarterback uh, doesn't have the ACL surgery. Next thing you know, you lose your quarterback for the season. Then the hurricane. You know, honestly, you know, and, and the, you, you know how bad it was with the hurricane. I mean, of course, living through it, you had to go through I mean, so many people had to do it. But it just seemed like it just set everything that you kind of get a sense that the Dolphins were going to go through a very traumatic season. You know, it's like, I mean, what, the fact that here it is week five last week, and that was their first home game. It's like, wow, uh, you know it's going to be a drain. You know, where last year the schedule was reasonably easy, things seemed to come together, a lot of things were very positive, where this year it's like fighting through the negativity to be able to just try to salvage, I mean, you know, just to be 2-2 two and two right now. A couple of moves that happened this week. Uh, Adrian Peterson, he got traded. Do, do we think he has anything left, or was, was that lack of production just a case of New Orleans didn't want to use him, or did they see something that he's got nothing left, so let's let's dump and see if we can get something for him? 
determined. I think there's some stuff left, but obviously it may not be great. I mean, you're not going to see the Adrian Peterson of three, four years ago. You're not going to see a Hall of Fame running back. But it can't be as bad as what it was in New Orleans because, first off, he made the mistake of trying to sign there. I mean, here it is, an I-formation back who loves to line up eight yards behind the line of scrimmage, getting on with the team that likes to go shotgun. And you know how much he complained internally about going shotgun two years ago at the beginning of the season, and at least was able to talk Mike Zimmer out of it and go more conventional. So he goes there, and, of course, it's like I was curious when they signed him. It's like, why would the Saints sign him when they have Mark Ingram, who was like one of 13 1,000-yard backs last year? It's like, okay, that didn't make much sense. And then you get into it, they get Alvin Zamora in the draft. They trade up for him. You go, okay, why would they trade for Alvin Zamora? Well, now you see why. He's a very good third down back and a very good potential starting back in the future. So now you get in, it's like he's sitting there number three, and all he was basically there for was to service Mark Ingram as the backup as far as the early downs. And so it did not work out for the Saints. You know, they end up losing money signing him. He ends up losing playing time and time. And so to go to Arizona is probably a decent fit in one way because Steve Kime, the general manager, wanted to draft him way back years ago when he was coming out of the out of college. And the idea was that uh, Ken Wisenhut was the coach, Russ Grimm was the offensive coordinator, or was the offensive line coach, and they decided we wanted Levi Brown more, and they won the internal battle. And so all of a sudden, Levi Brown goes, and then uh, you have – uh, Peterson having a Hall of Fame career in Minnesota. So this is a chance to complete what Steve Kine originally wants. Unfortunately, the season right now for the Cardinals is on the brink. You know, they're not doing well at all on offense. They have a bad offensive line. And really, it's hard to run when you don't have a good offensive line. And that's what Adrian Peterson is probably going to find there when he gets to Arizona. John, do you think after Sunday's performance with Aaron Rodgers going against the Cowboys, do you think he's knocked Tom Brady off the, off the top of that mountain with doing more with less? Yeah, I think so. I mean, they've got a good team, but they haven't had a, uh, all the offensive parts together, and he's been performing at an incredible level because what you look at is that in most of the games he didn't have both tackles. In the game on Sunday, his top two running backs were not there. Uh, you know, it's, it's been a struggle all the way through, but, again, he just makes big play after big play. I mean, he literally is carrying the team. You know, he had that one stretch from the middle of 2015 to 16 where he wasn't getting the ball downfield, Part of that was Jordy Nelson, and I don't know what it was that was holding him back. But now he's playing at the best level, and you, you can see a Hall of Fame quarterback just doing just amazing things, and that's why they're 4-1 and one in probably their toughest part of the schedule. What's going on in New York now with the wide receiver position with the Giants? Obviously, they've been decimated. Who have they brought in, and, and, and what do they look to, to go to now as part of their offensive power? They didn't call you? No, <laughs> ironically, no. I was, I was waiting oh, no. by the phone, hands? though. No, it's just it's a total collapse. I don't think I've ever seen a team lose four receivers in one game. Three to IR, and Sterling Shepard, their slot receiver, has an ankle injury that has his foot in the boot. And all they basically have done is, because, uh, again, there's not much on the street right now, is brought up practice squad players and players who had been there before. I mean, you know, when Tavares King is your only named receiver that you can sign, and that's about it. I mean, they just signed you know, three other guys that uh, are all minimum salary guys, and you know, King's a $690,000 guy. I mean, they just don't have anything. And so you figure, in fact, yesterday's practice, they've had nine starters that were out. You know, of course, you've got the two receivers that are out for the so three are out for the season. So, and this is a absolute disaster. And then you top it off with the, now the complaining coming from the cornerbacks. 
You know, Eli Apple was benched. He was complaining about it, was happy. He's an, a first-round pick from last year. And then Dominic Rogers cromartie has now gone three times where he's gone AWOL at different times and then got into battles verbally with the coach, the head coach, position coach, and now he's suspended. I just don't know how they're going to survive. seen this kicked around on the internet a couple times, John. What do you think of the idea of Tom Coughlin running the Jaguars now, calling up the New York Giants and trading for his former quarterback? Is that possible? No, I don't see it. Damn. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, it's, uh, you know, they got a good young team right now in Jacksonville. You know, they realize they have to get a quarterback after the season. I know it's hard uh, with a good defense to be able to get only eight completions out of your quarterback, but no, that's not going to happen. So is this like a death warrant right now for McAdoo? Is he basically done after the season, you think? Uh, if he can make it through the season, yeah. Oof. I think it's going to be very tough. Now, the only thing that's in his favor right now is the fact that the Mara family is very loyal. They'd like to give everybody every opportunity to be able to do this. But think about what's the reality coming up. This offense has been terrible for the last two years. You know, Ben, when he was the offensive coordinator, had Eli Manning with 26 points a game. Last year, it was in the 18 range. Now it's going to be barely able without wide receivers, no running backs, and a bad offensive line. I mean, I don't know how low that score is going to be. And really, Eli's going to be a standing target because there's nobody really that you have to worry about as far as skilled positions other than Eli. So this is going to be very difficult for, I think, uh, Ben, to keep the job after this year. But I think the big thing right now is just to get to the end of the season. And on to another, Ben, your Pittsburgh Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger, had a few comments post-game. A lot of it's got to be taken with a grain of salt, but where do you think he is right now mentally going into this, this weekend's game? Uh, frustrated, mad, and uh, probably got a little doubt in his mind because it just has been a horrible start to the season. But I think the big thing that you know, he has to exert his leadership because uh, you can see things are frayed. You know, Le'Veon Bell holds out, comes back, has a slow start, averaging 3.5 yards a carry, and now he's complaining because he only had 15 carries last week. I mean, he had 35 before and didn't get much out of it the week before. Now he gets 15 carries. That's not enough. Antonio Brown is having temper tantrums over not getting certain routes that he wants. I think the big thing that they have to do is focus just on football, and that's going to be where Ben's leadership is. But now you you start to have to wonder, are the quarterbacks of 2004, that great class with Eli Manning and Ben Roethlisberger and Phillip Rivers, are we start to see the beginning of the end? I hope not because it's such a great class of quarterbacks, and Ben has a talented team that should be scoring 25 to 30 points a game. He's got to pick up his game and get the offense to focus. You guys can text your questions for the professor, 67974 on the text line, or you can call 786-360-0790. One more segment with the professor with your questions after this. We are joined by the professor, John Clayton, on the Orion Fields and Downstairs Convenience Store's guest line. Lots of questions pouring in at 67974. But before we get to that, John, what is the NFL hoping to accomplish in this upcoming meeting that they're talking about with the anthem? It seems like there's a lot of mixed messages that have come out over the last 48, 48 hours. So I don't really know what they're trying to accomplish. What, what are they hoping to get out of this thing? I guess what they're hoping is they can get the players to stand and agree to stand, but obviously that's not going to happen. And so they have to find some, something in between. And honestly, I mean, the, the, to me, the simple solution 
would be to just not have the players and the coaches involved in the national anthem. I mean, remember, this is something that started in 2009. It's not like there's a 50-year history of this happening. I know it's a patriotic thing. It's a good thing to be able to have it. But too many players right now have problems, not necessarily with the anthem and the flag, but they have an ability that they want to try to express their opinions. And to do this, you know, they want to take a stand, whether it's raising a hand, whether it's kneeling, whether it's sitting. And so, uh, you know, they need to come up with a solution because I think it's a distraction. There's no question I think it puts the players in a bad position, puts the country in a bad position. So I think, you know, they're trying to come up with some common ground where the players can at least agree with it. But, Brett, I don't know. Can you see one? I don't see one because I think a lot of the players are, are slightly divided right now. You heard a lot of them doing community service work, and I can't remember what team it was and who it was for. But he said he actually felt guilty going to speak to kids as a role model because he wasn't using his his platform as being a role model to 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 take a knee with his friends because he said he ultimately felt like he should take a knee for the injustice, but he didn't want to suffer any kind of repercussions or consequences, whether it was from sponsorships or or people in his community or friends or family. Um, I think it's just something that that I agree with you that this is this has only been going on mandatorily for what eight years now. So eight since two thousand nine, yeah, you had the option if you wanted to stay in and stay out, whatever you wanted to do. I'm I'm a firm believer if you believe and you want to do that, then you could do that. If 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 you want to stand at attention and and put your hand on your heart, do that. Whatever you want to do, but if you want to try to unify something, I'll stay in the locker room. Like everybody, yeah. just hang out in the locker room and wait. What, what's it like in your neck of the woods, John, with the Seahawks? They've been one of the more outspoken teams uh, for for this cause. Is it is it is it changed at all now that this seems like the owners are trying to unite to get players to stand? Well, because they, they, the, the Seahawks, several of the top players have been so involved in uh, speaking out on causes and that. You know, they, I think they've been way ahead of the game. You know, for example, Michael Bennett, who uh, you know is not standing for the anthem, and of course had his incident with the police officer. Uh, over in Vegas, you know, he's not going to ever, I mean, you know, for the most part, he's going to take the position he wants to be able to use this as a forum to at least talk about uh, Black Lives Matters and all these different causes. Uh, they had an interesting one on Sunday because all the players were standing, and the reason they did it was because of the shooting in Vegas. They wanted to be supportive of all the people shooting it. But that's where I think the problem now has, has grown is that now, you know, each week you have to have a meeting with the players to see if we're all on the same page of what they're going to do and what they're not going to do. And I think that's like, let's just concentrate on football. And the easiest way to do it is, again, just not have to have the players involved in this. You can just have the, the national anthem before the game at the stadium, have respect there, and then don't have to play the players have any kind of internal problems and decisions to make like this. I don't know if you might know the latest update on this, but I saw this on social media yesterday. They're doing something with Josh Gordon and his possible reinstatement or maybe his comeback after after his treatment with his facility in Florida. What, have you heard anything on his uh, his recovery or his ability to get back into the league? Well, he had an interview which was very open talking about the problems that he had because he said the idea that I was just involved with marijuana was not true, and he went through all the different drugs that he's used and the fact that he had a 90-day rehab and you know he's on at least good terms right now. I don't know if he's formally put the application in, but he was very open about it and very admitting to the problems that he had. So it's just a matter that uh, you know once he gets the application is, and of course it continues to be tested, then he may come back. I mean, you don't hold great hope, but I think the fact that he had the interview was very open. Uh, I think that's a positive sign because he is 
such a great talent. But, boy, that talent has been wasting for such a long period of time. I remember I saw him in training camp last year. He had just gotten back. At that time, I think he was probably about 10, 15, 20 pounds overweight. He was able to work the weight off in camp. But then, unfortunately, with the drugs, he was not able to make it and at least get any kind of a season. Texter writes in, John, what do you see from the Oakland Raiders uh, the rest of the season? They were obviously had a lot of expectations. Derek Carr is an injury. Uh, wh- when is he going to be back, and what do you see from them the rest of the season? Uh, Derek's going to be back this week because, you know, that's a transverse process injury. Tony Romo, uh, Cam Chancellor, each, Cam Newton each came back like, within one game, and Cam, that, uh, Derek back this week. You know, the big thing that they have to try to do is, they, believe it or not, as talented, as high-paid as their offensive line, that offensive line has been spotty the last three games, but they'll be able to do that. They've been able to fix that. Offensively, they have to get better catching out of uh, Alvin. I mean, Amar, uh, Cooper has to catch better, and then they have to get better play out of the defense. I mean, they're, they're going to be fine. I mean, they're going to have a winning season. The problem is Kansas City and Denver are playing so well right now that you know, losing the three games could put them in a position. I don't know if they're going to be able to catch them and make the playoffs. What about uh, what about Andrew Luck? Like, do we ever think he's going to play football again? It yeah, feels like every like week, every week process. it changes. Yeah, it's, I think four more weeks should be the timetable. Could be a little bit earlier than that because what he has to do now is just once you start throwing, and really you can use Cam Newton as an example of that. I mean, you saw that he got the training camp and just started to throw, and then he had to take some time off because you know his arm wasn't right. Uh, as mechanics wasn't right. He didn't have the full strength. And then he starts the season in the first three games, and he looked completely off. Well, once he had that four-week period where he was able to build up strength, get the mechanics better, then things started to work out. And you can see in the last two games, he's been fantastic. He's playing at an MVP type of level. So I'd say probably four weeks before you see Andrew Luck, unless there's any kind of a setback. And what do you make of the Browns already making the, the switch at QB this season? Um, I, I was disappointed they started the uh, Kaiser, because you know you put Deshaun out there and they have nothing, and I repeat, nothing at wide receiver. You know, here's the idea that they had uh, Richard Higgins, a, a draft choice who was cut last year. He ends up going on the practice squad. They call him up on a Saturday, and now effectively he's their number one wide receiver. How bad is that? I mean, uh, last week uh, Hugh Jackson said that Kenny Britt, who has been terrible this year, was. Needs some time off, but he has nobody to replace him. So you put a young quarterback out there without any receivers, spotty running game, that's what you're going to get. So, uh, you know, five games in, nine interceptions, 11 turnovers, bad performance. They needed to bench him because he really was only going to get worse. John, we always appreciate the time. Thanks for, uh, thanks for getting up with us. Hey, thank you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.